Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. 111 miles to my southwest is Megan. Hello. And uh, later on today, I don't know, roughly 20 miles to my east uh, (laughs) will be our friend Dave uh, making his first appearance on the program to uh, go over Dynamite with us, but... As he did not watch any of the other things, um, and, and really has not watched AEW in almost a year at this point, I think just getting his thoughts on Dynamite will be enough. I'm going to have to really up my kayfabe hating Eddie Kingston now, because Dave is the one that like that gimmick was, was for, basically. <laughs> you know, I actually thought about that earlier today. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, maybe if he turns a corner, I'll, I'll take down the veil, but... Uh, last I heard, it was me, him, and you hating Eddie Kingston, and then you turned at some point. And I don't you know got, where you Dave's... Got Jason, you got Jason on your side, though, unbeknownst to you. Oh, does he still? Like, even after? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, that's the funny thing. Like, the AEW work is what has made Jason not like Eddie Kingston. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's made me turn a corner on him. Like, he's, <laughs> but, he's not my favorite by any means, but I think that... I didn't give him enough credit and also that it's a combination of I didn't give him enough credit and also like the last time I saw him was what 20 years ago <laughs> at this point it was a long time ago okay <laughs> hold on let's let's say 10 <laughs> 10 years ago okay you're right because 20 years ago I would have been 15 so <laughs> that doesn't work out um, but the point is a lot of time has passed and I think enough time that both of us separately as people uh, have grown and we you know, had no connection, but God damn it, I have to admit, I like him as a character. I still am not on board with him as a wrestler, but I like him as a talker and a manager, and that's about the extent of it. That's but fair. don't don't tell Dave, because if he comes on this going hot for Eddie Kingston, I'm going to live the gimmick, and I'm going to say, yeah, that guy sucks. Okay, I won't, I won't, uh, I won't rat you out. Thank you. Uh, let's start the show, uh, with the same thing we start every show with. It is the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Hell yeah, and we are recording this according to Instagram, and first brought to my attention by the Bellas Instagram, on National Drink Wine Day. Really? Yep. I don't, you know, as far as fake holidays go, I think that this is one I can get behind. Any kind of wine? Uh, yeah, just as as far... The hashtag is National Drink Wine Day, so any kind of wine should fall under that umbrella. Okay. Um, Because I've got my little um, Champagne Please uh, bell here. Uh, You have a Champagne Please bell? Can we cover that? (laughs) If you you ring it, someone's supposed to bring you champagne. (gasps) It's pink. It's very pretty. Oh, that's so amazing. A friend of Jenny's got it for... um, Oh. A friend, a friend that you know, we we both work for her in some way. Oh, okay, I get you, <laughs> yeah. I get you. I yeah. the That's uh, probably the perfect gift for Jenny, honestly. Absolutely. Well, do you, would you like to start? Because mine is disappointing and non-alcoholic. So. Okay, mine is disappointing only because it's a bottle I already had open, but I will tell you about it. Um, it is a Wink bottle, which I love. Mm-hmm. Please sponsor us because I keep talking about you, Wink. Uh, but this is called Cape Route, and it's. Um, a South African winery. And I don't 
super know what this grape is. It C I N S A U L T. If I were guessing, I would say Sinsalt. Um, but I don't know if that's a hard or a soft C. But it's from South Africa, and I figured I could tie it into this episode by saying that um, Angelica was on there. So oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm celebrating Angelica's uh, place of origin. That's a good point. Um, would you believe the pronunciation, according to Wikipedia, is Sanso? Oh, okay. I I can see that. I would not have leapt to that, but yeah, cool. I've never yeah. heard of that type of wine before. I have not either, but the more I learn about wine, the more I realize that I'll never know all the grapes because there are like a million variations. That's fair. That's fair. I'm not trying to be an expert or anything. Uh, and see, if if Wink was advertising with us, I would highlight the fact that they recommended this wine based on my ratings of other wines. And I've got to say, I really like it because, I've, as I mentioned, I already opened it. Um, and based on the back of the bottle's description, it comes from the Breed River Valley where deep alluvial soils and a moderate climate give the wine bright berry fruit and an elegant structure. And I agree with that. I think it's it's kind of a light-looking red, but I have enjoyed it. It's I think I would order it again, and probably in the summer, honestly. It, it kind of slides near the uh, Pinot Noir area for me, where it's like you can see through it when you hold the glass up. Very cool. So you're pouring that now? Yep. Um, I have a uh, Coca-Cola... Well, no, I was about to say Coca-Cola Classic, but I think they took Classic away a long time ago at this point, and I'm just holding on. Um, but yes, I'm I'm drinking a Coca-Cola um, because I'm out of Diet Coke, so I have to be careful with these. Yeah, <laughs> because they taste better, and that's <laughs> that's tricky. So here we go. Ooh, I love that carbonation. I have not had Coca-Cola. Um. Well. Up until recently, for a very long time. We don't keep popping our house just because, as she pointed out, Coca-Cola is not calorie-free. And I don't I don't love the diet because it just doesn't give me enough sugar. So um, if I have access to Coca-Cola, I will drink a lot of it and I will basically replace meals as far as calories go. So, so I've avoided it. But I do order it every now and then because now that we're in the pandemic, we're getting more delivery food. And I got to say... As a once-in-a-while treat, it is delicious. I can feel the sugar coat my teeth, and that sounds horrible, but I love it. Every once in a while. Every couple months. Can't I can't do it regularly, or my teeth will fall out of my skull. But um, sure. <laughs> I do love that Coca-Cola sweetness. Did you know that I, I went to... So I went to the dentist a few months ago for the first time in, like, four or five years. Okay. And... I went to Jenny's dentist, who is now my dentist, too. Um, but, of course, now we're moving in a few months, so we'll probably have to get different dentists anyway. But <laughs> regardless. So I went to this dentist, and I was I was, I was was not very – I was not concerned because I'm pretty fanatical about my teeth brushing regimen. I, I – you know, it's it's at least twice a day. Sure. Oftentimes three. Um, oh, dep- wow. Look at you, Jerry Seinfeld. Well, depending on, on what – I have for lunch. It's, you know, if it, if it feels like particularly heavy or saucy, I'll want to get that off my teeth. But, okay. um, point is I felt pretty good about it, but I was still worried because that's a long time to go without having your teeth checked. Oh, and yeah. I, I got my cleaning and the dentist was just like, you've got like 
one like partial cavity that's starting to form and other than that you're good and i was like okay so i got like i got that i got the filling and honestly god i think i'm pretty happy with I, I feel like i don't need to go to a dentist ever again ever again <laughs> well for another three or four years you know? okay i was gonna say like uh <laughs> you still ended up with a partial cavity I, I I did that same journey as you did right after college because in college I just didn't have any money or think about going to a dentist or doctor, even though technically I was on like my parents' insurance, so I definitely could have. Um, but I just, you know, wasn't in the plan. And so after college, when I got a job and had health insurance and all that stuff, I showed up and was like, this is going to go really badly for me. And I was really used to being like a straight A student perfectionist. So you know, having cavities of any kind seemed like a failure. And then he was like, you have, like you said, like a partial, like a cavity is starting. And I'm just going to go ahead and like fix that. And I, A, felt like a huge failure in my life. And then when I didn't have to have the drill in my mouth, um, a huge relief. So <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I have not gone to the dentist since the pandemic started. But I also fear in the back of my mind that Despite brushing twice a day, flossing at least once a day, it is a struggle for me. I don't like to floss, and I don't remember. I don't floss. Fuck that. I floss once a day in the morning. Um, I still worry that somehow that level of dental care will not keep me from having huge problems when I go back. So I don't. Mm. That's like my weird personal um, fear. But and I think and it's only been like a year. Yeah, like okay. literally, my checkup was do at the beginning of the pandemic and they canceled everything and i just haven't rescheduled so uh i'm i'm probably gonna come up on two years here soon oh boy. but but yeah like i'm sure my mouth is fine but i also can cook up in my hypochondria brain a lot of issues if i wanted to like i can convince myself i have a cavity i can probably convince myself i have some sort of like gum disease um but yeah so all that's to say, I really like a Coke every once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was wondering how we got there. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, hey, let's uh, let's talk about BTE. Mm-hmm. Being the Elite, episode 242, uh, entitled Set for Life. Okay. Learned a few things in this episode. Learned that Nick Jackson does not like having his photographs taken. <laughs> I Well, okay. To be fair to him. If my brother were standing just off camera talking about how much I hated having my picture taken and filming that conversation, I think I would have an annoyed look on my face, too. Yeah. I, you know, that's fair. Um, also learned that Sammy Guevara is refusing to defend the BTE championship on BTE because he has his own vlog, which I think is like actually a brilliant little bit of cross promotion did you did you watch sammy's vlog to see the title defense no here's the thing i can respect (laughs) that that's a baller move to try and get more traffic to your vlog um but i as a viewer just consider that one more thing i need to watch every week and i cannot cross that line like i just cannot get invested because you already had that women's tournament this week i mean what are you supposed to do exactly there's so much wrestling to watch and it's Sammy, please just defend your title on this show that I already have in the rotation. Yeah, no, I I, I get it. Um, and so I'm looking. It does seem to have worked 
somewhat in the so this his vlog came out two days ago and mm-hmm. it's up to 123,000 views on YouTube. And the prior episode, which has been out for nine days now, um, topped out has topped out at 105. So okay. it does it does seem like it was effective in moving some new eyeballs over to the vlog. So the three contenders did handstands. I don't know. I did okay. not watch the vlog because, and not because I don't like Sammy's vlog, because I've talked about how much I like Sammy's vlog on here. Um, it's because I'm still a few weeks behind on Sammy's vlog, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to ruin the narrative. Like, I don't know if Griff Garrison's going to realize that that guy's not his dad, or, you know. Or... Okay, no, that's important. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- yeah. I respect that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was the Sammy thing. So the BT Championship is uh, held up, and I don't know, who knows. Um, we got some good travel log stuff on this episode, which we don't get a lot of, uh, anymore with everybody, um, just waiting around at the airport, looking sad. Uh, it Scorp- honestly cut a sh- cut a cut Scorpio sky and his girlfriend, uh, over in a corner looking cute. <laughs> good for him. And also it honestly just made me feel like air travel still sucks. Do we have to go back to that eventually? Can we not reform it in the off season? I mean, you would think. Uh, Silver and Reynolds were trying to find Sting and Darby Allen, and for some reason, they thought that Sir Pentico and Luther were Sting and Darby Allen. But well, at least uh, John Silver did. Yeah, I think Alex Reynolds was like, "Hey, John, uh, we found the wrong people," yeah. and John Silver was still very much confused about why Sting was so mean to him. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk briefly about Alex Abrahantes and <laughs> Okay. I like him, but I don't know that he's always a great fit. He's not I don't think he's good as a focal point of these sketches. So it's interesting that you say it this week because I felt like on this sketch he was part of an ensemble. He was, but normally his what he does is he comes in and says, I'm Alex Abrahantis and this is speaking Spanglish or something like that, you know? Yeah. This one, he had a lot of dialogue. Um, I know that Cobra Kai is a popular <laughs> thing that I've never watched. And maybe I will someday. I don't know. I don't have an affinity for the, those, that series of movies. Um, but I am certainly aware of them just through cultural osmosis. But um, it was, I'm guessing that's where they took the, the inspiration for this like martial arts fight from. Yeah, I assumed. And also I'm, I'm guessing like maybe anime and or Dragon Ball Z. I, Cause like, yeah. I don't think in Cobra Kai smoke comes out of people's chest, you know, yeah, probably, like, probably not. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So it was like, it was a big, it was a big uh, martial arts fight between um, the, the, the Latino, the Latin Latin X. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, this this didn't really do it for me. I thought it was kind of it. It brought the episode to a bit of a halt. Uh, yeah, I was I was kind of like, what prompted this? I, I don't know. I'm not, and and to be fair, like I'm not totally against the the Latinx group trying to save Alex Abrahantes from becoming a Dark Order member. It's just this was, I don't know. This was like a weird tone shift. <laughs> their stuff mm-hmm. and and 
Um, part of me did think, like, is this kind of weirdly, like, appropriating Asian culture? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, am I, approaching, am I approaching this too, too much so of, like, a... Like a woke white person? Uh, um, yeah, like... <sighs> I, no, so, like, I thought that at first, too. Like, that was my first thought. And then I was just like, oh, no, wait, they're doing, like, Cobra Kai. See, I didn't get that they were doing Cobra Kai because the way they were doing the delayed, like, like, um, they were mouthing words and then they were saying them, the you dubbing, know? Yeah. yeah, the way they were, like, doing that, I thought was hearkening back to, you know, like, like Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that, where things sure. actually are dubbed. And I was like, is that, are we allowed to do that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, yeah, what is... <sighs> Because that is something that, like, those movies are actually very famous for because it happened all the time because they were so cheaply made that, you know, you wouldn't spend a lot of time on the dub. Um, no, you just pop those English, like, words in no matter whether the mouth was moving or not. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I know that it all added up to me not liking the segment. Yeah, I also didn't... Like, if we were coming down to... um latinx group versus dark order for alex Aberhante's soul i don't think the dark order ever has ever done like a kung fu you know like i guess it the theme didn't really fit either group honestly you know i was like why did you pick this out of out of everything to have these two groups face off but yeah i i guess they just needed a needed a rival dojo to uh sure to battle it out with <laughs> Um, we also had the Vicious Vixen audition, which is another thing that I just, I don't know. I guess somebody had an idea. I didn't think it was very funny. Um, I didn't necessarily think it worked on the whole, but I did enjoy watching Scorpio Sky, Griff Garrison, and kind of Angelico dance. Because everyone <laughs> else was absolutely terrible. <laughs> but those three seemed like they actually knew how to do moves um, on some level. I think John Silver was pretty funny. But I, he was basically doing like the cowboy dance, you know. Um, so I don't really understand how it fit into the vic- vicious vixens like storyline. But I did think Griff Garrison, you got some moves that I never would have expected, and Scorpio Sky, it's always a joy to see you on screen. And you know, Helico does his Angelico dance where he just kind of leans back and is like an emo kid. Um. Any other BTE notes? Um. Oh, the I just wanted to say that the Dark Order spent a lot of tr- time trying to figure out what Matt Hardy has that they don't to attract Adam to oh. them, to like right. be with them, and they go through a lot of like a whole list of things: hair, money, suit, grapes, and a big dick. Yeah, big dicks. Yeah, um, big dicks. The grapes is like kind of a inside reference to back when matt hardy was having all of his problems like 10 years ago and he did this like video that he put on his youtube channel where he was like clearly wasted and eating grapes and Uh kept talking about how much he likes grapes (laughs) okay okay well that made the list (laughs) uh they apparently don't have grapes in the dark order headquarters and so ultimately what what it came down to though was anna jay saying hey guys it's fine. Like, we don't need him. I love that Anna Jay is trying to be the healthy one and just say, like, it's time to move on. He rejected us. We're good by ourselves, and we can do this. Uh, but I don't think any of the boys are on board. I think they're very torn up that Adam rejected them. Hard to agree. 
All right, let's talk about the uh, Japanese bracket, first round of yes. the AEW Women's Title Eliminator Tournament. What did you think of the presentation? Oh, my. Okay, so <laughs> I don't mean this in an insulting way to, to either promotion, but this setup and production value level really reminded me of the first year of Shimmer, mm. where... I don't know if you've ever seen it, but the ring is set up is very similar in that it's kind of small. There's not crowd on the outside. They're kind of pushed back behind the camera. So you can hear them there, but you can't really see them. And there wasn't a crowd in the tournament here in Japan because of safety. But just that level of super small space, not a lot of people on camera, and... Not a hugely high production value. Uh, it took me back. And also, aside from that, throughout this episode, I felt like the ring looked super hard and like it had no give. And that made me feel like it probably really hurt to take bumps on. Yeah, I mean, probably, right? Like, like it looked like it sucked. It didn't look like canvas. It looked shiny as if it were plastic of some kind. I don't know. It just, it didn't. It didn't bump in the same way that yeah. the AEW standard ring does. I like that ring announcer they have. Yeah, he was cool. I <laughs> loved, I respected that he had note cards and was like, I'm going to read off note cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to get the information correct because I'm reading off note cards. Absolutely. Uh, so we had, uh, first up, we had Yuka Sakazaki defeating Mei Saruga. This was the only match that I didn't really like. I, I, I think it might just be that Mesa is green. Um, but I thought I thought it was kind of sloppy and all over the place. I probably didn't see it as much as you because I'm not a seasoned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought green or not, Mesa as a as a newcomer, as a 21 year old youngest in the tournament, still looked better than some of the people in the the ladies roster in AEW. So I was still impressed. And I thought her bridge move, um, all of them that she did were awesome and beautiful. She really knows how to bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strong neck. Yeah. Um, you could one with a springboard 450 splash, the magical girl splash. Hell yeah. At one point she did a cartwheel off of the top rope. And I thought that was amazing because if you miss, that's really going to hurt. Uh, second up, we had Vaney. Uh, falling to Emi Sakura. Mm-hmm. And I think the MVP of this match was uh, Excalibur uh, sticking to correct pronouns because, wow, that was impressive. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I just thought, JR, what would you be doing with this? Uh, <laughs> JR would be like, wait, so not even her? Like, just Can I gender- just switch what, between he, her? Or... <laughs> I did not realize that Venny. Um, used they their pronouns. I love that in the introduction, like Excalibur, like even just saying Venny, a newcomer, and they whatever. I was like, oh, Excalibur, you're wonderful. Um, Venny, I thought was really cool. Like they did a lot of gymnastic looking moves, uh, very akin to kind of the Penelope Ford. And oddly enough, I want to compare them to. Alicia Fox, just because tall, super long legs, very, you know, athletic mm-hmm. in that 
that way. Like that's kind of the genre. Um, Alicia Fox is obviously like her own person and has a lot of other character work going on. But I thought Venny's move set was similar. I have a question. You might not know the answer to this, um, okay. but is if you don't want to use male or female pronouns, mm-hmm. is the preference to use they because it is a pejorative and has been used to, um, like, you know, denigrate trans people for a long time? Because you would think it would be it because that's the singular form of they. I mean, I would assume because, like, yeah, even saying it, it, like, others you, because you don't call baby... You know, like babies, it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you do like if you're if, my grandmother until you until the baby turns about two years old. Yeah, well, see, that's weird, right? Like, that is a human person. So you know what I'm saying, though, because yeah, like, because they is a plural, right? And I think yeah. that's uh, everybody everybody's angry grandma's argument as to why um, you can't figure out how to use they them as pronouns. But yeah, and I also think that. You don't necessarily have to be non-binary to go by they, them. I think there are um, trans people and also, like, women, men, cisgendered who say, like, I go by the standard pronouns plus they, them. So I have just, just as a a, a note um, and, I don't know, maybe, like, a safe way to approach this new world we're living in for all the grandmas out there. Uh, I just kind of default to they, them, unless somebody tells me or makes it clear that uh, they go by any specific pronouns. But Venny is apparently the first transgender wrestler in Japan, which I thought was kind of interesting because I don't know culturally how acceptable that is in Japan. Um, But... I think not very... (laughs) Well, yeah. Because Japan is, in a lot of ways, more conservative than America. <laughs> That's what I thought. But at the same time, it appears that Venny is... has a career. <laughs> like, well, yeah, but, like, doing but, think okay. about it, like, but think about it. There were no... I mean, I think that just tells you that, like, things do change, but it just takes a long time. Yeah. Anyway, I thought this match rocked. Um, I I'm... would love to see some more Venny. I'd love Venny to come over after, um, you know, when people... when there's more free travel between the countries and uh emmy sakura who like uh our friend lucas uh said had uh the best like angry mom energy he's ever seen uh which i think is a fitting description of her though she i thought man maybe it's just the way she's styled um and not having to dress up like freddie mercury i I shouldn't say have to i think she probably likes to do that but she still does the freddie mercury like yeah but she was her gear was different um She's I thought she queen. looked a lot younger than she than she did in her AEW uh, prior stuff. Um, yeah, and I think part of that was her hair, how she's styling it. It's a little mm-hmm. longer, and I think it, along with the more, um, I guess, feminine attire. I I hate to like attribute it to that, but yeah, she did look younger. She did have the best mom faces though, where she would just do a move on Benny and then just look super pissed that she even. Like, Venny had even bothered to come at her with that energy. <laughs> like, I loved it. Yeah. Um, but I I want to know why suddenly Emi Sakura is a queen. She came out in full. Like, she had the robe. She had a crown. She had the scepter. But, like, the her mic was the scepter. But why? What, what has happened in Japan that now she still does the Freddie Mercury 
like song, but she's a queen. I don't know. Um, okay, I'm looking to see. I mean, to see queen, if anything obviously. else happened. Uh, she and it should be noted that at some point she did the the like the we will rock you thing, and they. <sighs> They were social distancing, but there were still enough people there to to do the claps and the we will, we will rock you. Like she got an entourage. Yeah, I think I have an answer for you. Okay, um, yes. This is from her Wikipedia page uh, about her time in Philippine Wrestling Revolution. Okay. Uh, in 2019. On March 17th, 2019, Sakura made her debut for the Philippine Wrestling Revolution, in which she faced... The queen of Philippine wrestling, Crystal. Oh, shit. Sakura got the win over Crystal via a diving moonsault. Maybe she just decided that since she defeated a queen, she was now a queen. <laughs> she had taken over the, the mantle? Yeah. yeah. I love I mean, it. That's, that's, the, that's the best I can think of. Um, our friend Dave is uh, apparently online, um, so I'm going to add him to the call. Now, here, listeners, this is going to be interesting for you because... One of two things is going to happen. Either this is going to be seamless and Dave will just join or it'll stop the recording when he gets on and we'll have to start a new recording and then there will probably be a bit of a scene. But, uh, well, you know, so we'll see which one which one it, we get here. It's Skype. It'll be the second one. I mean, yeah. And honestly, like from a from a uh, like privacy standpoint, that is probably the the best way to do that. Don't you think? Yeah, unless you yeah. are in a one-party recording consent state. Um, yeah. You got to probably let everybody know. And I think if you're in one of those states, that's fucked up. <laughs> okay, I'm going to add him. Let's see what happens. It's still recording. Hello? Hello? Hey, David. How goes it? It goes. It goes okay. Awesome. Um, I can't see you yet. Have you? Do you Uh-oh. have your camera? Uh, let me see. Oh, let me click this thing. Is that better? Um, yes. Yeah. There you go. Hi, okay. Dave. <laughs> you have a big fancy microphone thing in your grill. Hell yeah! Wow. Do you have a microphone, Dave? Uh, if there's one on my computer. We need to get you some podcasting equipment. We can hear you. <laughs> Yeah. You have a microphone in your computer. Do you have headphones, though? Uh, uh, probably not. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> okay. You know what? We'll just we'll just roll with it. It'll be fine. Yeah. And the answer to the question, uh, listeners, is that uh, Skype just kept on recording. Did Did you get a message that this was being recorded, Dave, when you signed on, or when, no. when you joined the call? No. Okay. Well, then Skype doesn't care about your privacy. Hell no. Honestly, not surprised. Why should it? Okay, uh, Dave, we are just finishing up really quickly. A, uh, a uh, we, we decided to start without you um, because uh, there was stuff to cover this week that you did not watch. So we thought we'd get that out of the way first. Sure. Okay. So we got being the elite out of the way. And now we've got this uh, AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament, of which you saw one match from. Uh, yes. on the dynamite that you watched but uh we saw the four matches from the japanese side um okay so next up megan we saw maki ito versus ryu mizunami 
and the trend of if you have wrestled in AEW before, you win your match continued here mm-hmm. as Mizunami won. I was very into the charisma of Maki Ito. <laughs> she is a pop star, legitimately, apparently. I did yeah. not realize that. And the fact that she sang her own entrance at first, I was like, this is weird. And then when they explained that she had been in a Japanese pop group prior to this, I understood it a little better. But yeah, she she is apparently the cutest girl, which I don't know. I feel like Maki Ito, that's quite a title to claim. But good for I you. I don't know who this person is, but it sounds like I would be all into them. Oh, I <laughs> could be right up my alley. I could see it very much. Yeah. Yes. Give me that J-pop. Yes. She has a really good social media game. Um, 23 hours ago on Twitter, she posted a selfie with the caption, pay me, bitch. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Phenomenal. Yes. She has has a faction, which Excalibur talked about on commentary, Dave. Uh, Her stable is called the Ito Respect Order. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, I I do respect her self like promotion game. She she was very there for it, and just because she was the cutest girl didn't mean that she also did not kick ass because she put up quite a fight before she got defeated. I thought oh. she did. Yeah, uh, Rio Mizunami beat her. Um, did you have to like sadly sing her outro? <laughs> no, I don't think she her should've. vocal cords would have allowed it because Rio uh, Mizunami didn't she? Um, choked her out with a yeah uh, she she made her tap yeah Yeah. okay and then in the last match of the tournament uh that we saw aja kong defeated rin uh, katakura who was another person i'd never seen so poor rin um she she tried she put up a fight she took such a beating that i think was half shoot half kayfabe because aja kong was not fucking around and when she just full on dropped down and sat on her chest. I don't care how heavy or light you are. That's going to really super hurt. I'm sure she didn't pull anything. Oh, God. Rin. Dave, Rin got beat up. She's very stiff. (laughs) Yeah, she is. Um, In fact, actually, before before this match, I sent uh, Megan a gif of... That time, Aja Kong was on Raw, and she backfisted that other girl, and like, <laughs> Dave, yeah. Dave, Dave's nodding. He remembers. Oh yeah, that was that was commonplace for her. It was twenty five years ago, and he remembers. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She she did that. Yeah. There yeah. there was a WWF place... was not ready. <laughs> no. <laughs> there was a a spot on Rin's like back that looked like it was either a a super bad bruise or Asha Kong's face paint. And I was like, that's obviously Asha Kong's face paint. But then I looked at her face paint and it didn't appear to be smeared in any way. So I think maybe <laughs> she just gave her a giant bruise. <laughs> I don't know. It, probable. It looks so painful. And she, she had a spot where um, the ref yelled at her for using closed hand shots. But I think she was actually just doing that. <laughs> God, poor Rin. She looked like a superhero, and like maybe she was going to pull out some sort of surprising win, but she did not. Well, damn. And she, Asha Kong, because I, I saw I saw like the clip from the match, and she looks essentially the same as she did like twenty five years ago. She hasn't. Yeah, she doesn't move around that well anymore because she's she is fifty. But um, right, yeah. But like 
she she was still like I the thing that impressed me about her was that everything she did looked good. She didn't do anything that was kind of like it's you know how Dave you, you know this uh you know how like you'll see wrestlers especially young wrestlers like do things that like they can't really do but they try them anyway because they they want to do something cool. Yeah. Aja Kong is like the opposite of that now. She's like, she's just like yeah. if I can't if there's something I can't do to where it looks like 100% legitimate, I'm just not going it's out of my arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. And I, her whole thing was just she's like a tough girl that's going to hit you really hard. So that that can carry through you know most of your life. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Um but yeah, so yeah, so that was the first round and uh and we'll talk more about that as as the dynamite recap rolls on about what the plans for airing the rest of the stuff because I've got some thoughts about that, Megan. I don't know if you have any thoughts about what their plans for next Monday are, but I always have thoughts about women's wrestling. Yeah. Uh Okay, let's talk one more thing before we get to your dynamite recap. It's it's a news story. It's the only big news story of the last week, but it's it's an interesting one. Um, and it's kind of unclear as to exactly what transpired. So, as you know, uh, Sammy Guevara quit the inner circle last week. Yes. In a show that was taped the week prior. So, let me make sure I've got this. An right. AEW show that was taped the week prior? Yeah, because it was okay. it was like the second night of, it was the night after a live taping, so. Okay, because I feel like Facebook has fed me some of this story, and um, I think that it says more about Facebook stalking me than anything else, but like, I've seen headlines. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you know the gist of this, right? Um, kind of. I mean, I've seen headlines, which I think are clickbait and don't give you an actual good real story, so I'm curious to know what actually transpired with this. Gotcha. Okay, so. He that he would have uh, that episode where he quit the Dark Order would have been taped on February fourth. Inner Circle. Inner Circle. Sorry, uh, would have been taped at February fourth and then um, aired on February tenth. But in the meantime, on the I believe the Monday or Tuesday, the following week, the eighth or the ninth, Impact was doing its latest round of tapings, and Sammy Guevara was supposed to work those tapings. And apparently he even went so far as to fly into Nashville where they tape all their TV uh, to do those tapings. And then there was a problem with the creative and he did not like the creative and he decided he wasn't going to do the whatever had been planned for him. And he left Nashville. <laughs> Are you allowed to just do that? <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? Because like he's an independent contractor. He's not an employee of anybody. Well, but wrestling doesn't understand what independent contractors are i think i think we're gonna find out if if wrestling doesn't understand what independent contractors are or if wwe just doesn't understand what independent contractors are. okay, okay. because because he shouldn't get any heat for this because he's he's going to a company that he doesn't even regularly work for and they're telling him what to do and he's just like no i don't want to do that like what's the problem with that uh, to me there shouldn't be one but historically speaking and structurally the way this has all worked in the past it seems like he's going to get in trouble at least maybe with impact leadership, like maybe he just won't get booked again. And I don't know how Tony Khan feels about it, but. So Dave Meltzer said on wrestling Observer radio a couple days after this happened, he said that, well, there is heat, but the heat is between impact and Sammy. Um, okay. AEW and impact are fine. And 
Tony Khan and Sammy are fine. Okay. But Sammy and Impact, probably it's probably not going to happen now. So the math on that works out how I would expect a normal uh, bet- an issue between normal people to work out. Where's Scott Steiner to come in and do the math? <laughs> well, he's in WWE where this all would have been a huge travesty and probably Sammy would be sued at this point, right? <laughs> Scott Steiner's in WWE? Uh, he was. I don't know. I don't know where he is now. Cur- the Steiner locator. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> something, that's something I would order. invest in. Yeah, but he worked oh. for a company that was um, very garbage as far as independent contractors go and is still garbage in that sense. Yeah. So I'm a little surprised that the way you tell it, Sammy is being recognized as an independent contractor and the heat is where it should be. And is everything okay? So he and Tony Khan are cool and AEW is totally fine. And that's, honestly, that's this, doesn't, this sounds like it isn't actually that big of a deal. Unless Sammy really wants to work for Impact, in which case he burned that bridge. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's did just they record? It, did they record anything on the tapings to where, like, explaining that he was going to be on Impact or anything, and now no. he fucked over AEW? No. Like, was there some kind of storyline that that was gonna? No, he would have. He, he would have showed up unannounced. So whatever. Okay. Whatever they were planning was going to start that night, not like continue or. or okay, whatever. so it wasn't something that they had already taped, like uh, something leading into that. No, no. The thing, okay. the thing that kicked it off was Sammy quitting, like last week on Dynamite. Sammy quit the Inner Circle, and this was supposed to be like, kind of a, like a follow up. Like, oh my God, he popped up in Impact. You okay. Know? Okay. Yeah. Um, because I, I'm sure you are at least somewhat aware just through looking at our Facebook group sometimes that like there is a bit of a working relationship between those two companies right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, so, so the thing that I was also like, I read somewhere else that a triple a wrestler named black Taurus, who is, um, kind of like mantor, but good. Um, <laughs> wow. uh, debuted (laughs) for impact and he was apparently given they just kind of used him in the role they were going to use sammy (laughs) oh okay so for whatever whatever whoever he's feuding with is probably who sammy was going to work with so anyway i don't think it's that big a deal but it was interesting it was like a big it was a big story for a couple of days so well if you had looked at my facebook feed and all the ads for art outside articles that they had inserted you would have thought Sammy is about to get fired. Like that, that's how the headlines were pitching that. So I'm glad to hear that it was much more downplayed and uh, much more normal. I, like this just sounds like a normal business thing that happened. Uh, breaking news: Sammy fired right now. Oh, so shit. By me. I'm sure some company will pick him up somewhere. All right, Megan. Well, would you like to uh, begin our uh, award-winning, world-famous uh, Dynamite recap? Heck yeah. JR might call it restaurant quality. I hope. <laughs> I would feel flattered if he did, yeah. even though we give him shit so much. Uh, okay, so this show kicks off with Adam Page teaming up with Matt Hardy, his new BFF, I guess. And they are going up against the Hybrid 2. Now, Adam and Matt get the win. Matt gets to pin on Helico. He does his twist of fate. But this is after Adam has a nice run and 
does the double buckshot lariat on both members of TH2. And so once again, you know, Matt pulls his Matt thing where it's like, all right, you tag yourself in and you get the win. Whatever. Although it was a little more, um, it felt a little more seamless this time because he didn't immediately get the pen. He had to like, they had to like, you know, do a little bit more after, before the, before the, the, it's true. It's no, it's true because he, he tagged himself in and he actually like almost gets pinned, which would have been a major burn for Adam, but he doesn't. And, uh, I thought he was going to, I was like, are the hybrid two going to win a wrestling match on dynamite? Yeah. Damn it, Hybrid 2. I respect you. But also, um, for me, the bigger story here is that I think Jack Evans got a mini concussion or, or at oh least his God. bell rung. Like, yeah. I don't know what level because at the end, like, he and Angelico came back. So I think he had a minute to rest. But, like, um, the end of this match was kind of a mess because Jack Evans was a big part of it. And he totally was he was out of it. Like, oh, very yeah. out because- of it. Yeah, there they I mean, he there's that one sequence where just everything was terrible. Terrible. Like he uh, he was on the wrong side it looked like at one point, and then he had to run back around. Uh, I forget what uh, move they were trying to do. And then he went for the uh thing off the top rope and shorted it big time. Yeah, yeah, I felt the announce team was trying really hard to cover him for him, but I also yeah. felt bad cuz I'm like, "Bud, you you are not here. And it reminded me of when Britt went in the wrong corner to tag because she was concussed. Um, But Jack Evans like waved off the ref and was like, I got this. And then he and Angelica did the assisted, uh, I don't know, 450 or something like that. But he he didn't hit that very well either. No, he totally like he totally over rotated on that. And then Adam kind of had to hang tight for a second to, to get his finish in there. Yeah, and I, I felt bad for him too because at the end, Matt was Matt Hardy was doing the pin, and I'm assuming Jack Evans was supposed to try and like get to break it up, and Adam like slid over to where he was and was like, "I'm blocking you," and then he just kind of pushed him on the ring, and Jack Evans was just like, "Bye," like he like <laughs> fell. He clearly was not going to make an effort. I'm just like, "Oh, don't push him out, Adam." His head, his head. Um, but yeah, that was scary and upsetting. I didn't love that. And the, the one, so I want to let everybody know, I have not watched a single episode of AEW since the pandemic. So this is my, uh, it's a, almost a year. So the one, the one you thing You were I watching noticed, it every single week, though. What is it? You were, before that, you, you watched like every single episode, though, pretty much. Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I've had almost a year-long break from seeing any of this. And the, the one thing I noticed was like, I thought Angelico had a new partner? I was like, oh, no, Jack Evans, you've put on some weight. Oh, Dave. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not like he's fat or anything, but I was like, huh, Jack Evans, the prince of pork rinds. Hey, maybe <laughs> you were thrown off by the fact that Angelico finally popped that shirt off, and he's bringing a different kind of energy to this team. Yeah, maybe he's just making <laughs> Jack look bad by comparison. Yeah. It's possible, so, though, because, like, you know, Megan and I have watched – have not stopped watching, so maybe it's just been a gradual thing that we haven't in, noticed. And concussion aside, he seemed just kind of slower and not as quick and not as, you know, just as I'm used to seeing Jack Evans. 
Yeah. Well, so that kind of st- that kind of stood out to me after you know not having seen anything in in quite a while. He was but I don't down. Body shame him or anything because I can't I can't talk. He was he was trapped <laughs> in Mexico for a while, and I feel like one of his promos included these amazing looking empanadas. And I'm sure that if you only live off empanadas, you're gonna put on some empanada weight. That's true. That's so. True. So, I, so, Jack, I don't want to body shame you because uh, you look way better than I do. I, yeah, fair. Like, we always try to skirt the line between body shaming and, like, do your job here. <laughs> you know? Jericho, case in point. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so. Jericho is so funny, though, because, like, Jericho will stand there backstage in a promo and he'll have abs and then, but then he looks like you know he he looks a lot different in the ring. And I think it's just like he's probably just like standing there flexing when he's in the vignette. Well, sure, yeah. yeah, you can stand. You just you stand real tall and you like suck that gut <laughs> in, and then you just like you just you know you kind of redistribute your weight a little bit. Like mm-hmm. if you've I ever did nine done, crunches before this promo. If you do yoga, I feel like you can. Like I'm by far I'm not like Seidel level yoga, but. uh <laughs> I, I do try to do it every day and there are definitely ways you can stand to like make your stomach look flatter than it is and i say that as somebody with a healthy little bit of pudge in the tum <laughs> you know like i'm not body shaming either i'm just saying like sometimes if you want that instagram pic i bet you could get it and jericho <laughs> he knows he's on camera and he, that's right he does what he needs to do <laughs> Yep, Dave, absolutely. I forgot to I forgot uh, when you signed on. We got to do your uh, your elite beat pop of the week. Um, so do you have a beverage to open? I have a beverage to open. Okay, great. Uh, what do you What do you have for us uh, tonight? Uh, I'm going with the mighty Kroger brand, Doctor K. Oh hell yeah! It's their Doctor Pepper ripoff. I was okay. gonna say, is that a hybrid Doctor Pepper Big K or? Yeah, it's a yeah the the Doctor Pepper ripoff by the Kroger brand. Okay. So do I have to pop it now? You have to pop it and try to do it into the uh, to where where you think the microphone might be. Direct it at your computer. Microphone. Hello, hello. Does this sound? <laughs> yeah, you got close. Hello, hello. Well, You're about we'll, to spill we'll Doctor K we'll all over your goes. computer. Oh, that was good. Oh, okay. we heard it. We heard it. I hit the spot. Right. <laughs> so, Megan, do you want to get into the aftermath of this match because that's where the the real fun began? Yeah. Okay. So, um, the aftermath of this match involves Matt. Hardy getting on the mic and he's like Adam you're so awesome you're great and you're gonna make so much money which is super great for me because I'm gonna get 30% of that based on that contract that you signed and Adam reveals to us and to Matt and to me specifically because I was tricked last week (laughs) that he actually switched out the papers he had an extra set in his coat and so what Matt signed wasn't exactly what he thought he signed um, he calls for the Jacksonville Jaguars mascot. No, to... no. He called for head of legal. That's and The Jacksonville true. Jaguars mascot came out, which is bullshit because we could have had an appearance from AEW legend Mega Parekh. I actually expected Mega Parekh to walk out. And when she didn't, I was a little upset. And I thought Jenny's probably livid at this point. Um, <laughs> but instead of Mega, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars mascot. Jackson DeVille. Um, thank you, because I forgot that name. He has a copy of the contract that Matt signed, specifically, and turns out that it's not actually what he thought he signed. He doesn't get 30% of everything, 
But in fact, he gets a match at Revolution against Adam. And if Adam wins, he gets 100% of Matt's earnings for 2021. No, just Q1. Oh, just Q1? Okay. Yeah, yeah, Q1. Still, still, it's a lot. I like, I like that it's just Q1 because, to me, somehow that makes it believable. Like, if they had said, like, the entire year, I would be like, that's bullshit. But, like, oh, Q1, yeah. hmm. That makes Adam come across, too, as, like, a, uh, like, he's getting his payback for Matt trying to screw him over, but also being reasonable about it, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, he's like, hey, up until the end of March, is that Q1? Uh, basically, up until tax time, I get your your stuff. And so Matt freaks out because obviously he loves money. And he says, well, okay, come on. So, like, if you win, you get stuff. But if I win, I should get something, too. So if I win, how about I get your earnings for the first quarter of 2021? Whoa. Yeah. And Adam's like, "Mm, all right. Okay. Okay. So they shake on it. And we've got a money match, people. A big money money match. match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hyped. I don't know how they're going to convey on television how one of them gets the other's money, but seems like it'll be interesting. Hopefully uh, better than they conveyed Chuck Taylor being Miro's butler. Yes, fingers crossed. I don't know what that means, but it seems like I love it. (laughs) No, I didn't. You'd think you'd love it. We all thought we would love it. And then it was underwhelming in a way that was kind of like sad. Yeah. They had all the tools and they just didn't use them correctly. Yeah. So, okay, so this is a match. It's been shook on Gentleman's Agreement. And so at this point, Matt's like, okay, well, also I'm Matt Hardy. And so he signals to the mascot, who is actually Isaiah Cassidy, and he takes off his helmet, or not his helmet, but his, like, mascot head. He looks vicious, and he attacks Adam. And then Matt's like, TH2, I will pay you, I think it was like... $3,700. Yes, okay that much money to go attack Adam and they're like, yay. And Jack Evans is like, I think I've recovered from my concussion a little bit. Cause he seems like he can do this. So they run Give in. Me that empanada sh- money. <laughs> He's like, I need more empanadas. And it was he start- a very weirdly specific amount of money too. Uh, yeah, like like 3,700. <laughs> it, it was probably like 30% of some, I don't know. It was probably, there's probably a reason for it, but yeah, he offers the money. They, they run in, they start beating up poor Adam. And then, the Dark Order run out and start to save Adam, and negative one, Brody Lee's son, uh, Brody Jr., comes out. He is apparently the leader of the Dark Order, which I love, and he starts, like, directing them and, like, si- like signaling for more people. So, literally, the entire Dark Order comes out and saves Adam's butt, and five specifically, remember he wrote that Valentine for Adam that he never got because of Matt Hardy? Five directly faces Matt Hardy, and he does, he gets beat up like he fired up on him though he yeah he tried he rolled up he didn't succeed very well but he showed that he really had it in his heart and then um you know he tried but ultimately the rest of the dark order have to chase matt hardy away yeah and adam looked he just looked happy that they were there and like like oh didn't expect to see you here guys like come on (laughs) And he had a, he did have a little tribute to Brody Lee where he said that uh, you know somebody somebody once told me to always you know keep some extra papers in your in your oh, coat yeah yeah so is are they still playing Hangman as a drunk yes 
Not, but not as much. Not like not okay. the way they were. Like when, like I, when I when I saw him at the bar well. when they played the recap and they they saw him at the bar, I was like, "Oh, this is still going on, huh?" No, it's not to the extent as it was during when you were watching the. Like he's just like staggering around with beers in his hand. No, no, he doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, but okay. he still um, he still carries whiskey. And the announced team specifically during this match said they made a comment about Adam drinking, and uh, I think it was Tony that was like, "Is it a day ending and why?" <laughs> so like, <laughs> I think that's still at least part of his character aspect. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, his his main character trait right now is that he's playing footsie with the Dark Order about whether or not he's going to join them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it should be said also that his Chiron coming out tonight was recently hired a shady legal team. <laughs> so. Turned out he, to be true. He knows what's up. Yeah. Right. Although I, I wish he had hired a legit team with Mega Prack. Yeah, me too. Okay, so <laughs> from there... We go backstage. Alex Marvez is there with the inner circle. Um, Tonight, if you didn't know, Santana and Ortiz are getting their first ever title shot in this company. And they blame it on the fact that, like, the company and every other tag team is afraid of them. So this is, after literally a year, this is their first attempt at it. Um, And then MJF steps up and he starts to address Sammy's attack from last week. He says, you know, you went off on me with zero evidence. And he asks Sammy if he's stupid enough stupid enough to actually think that MJF would try to secretly record him while there was a camera in the room, which I thought was interesting because that was our main criticism last week of the the segment. But apparently this makes me think that MJF was trying to extra stir up and make look Sam make Sammy look like the one who was instigating things. You know, like I just set my phone on the table and then you lost your mind. Um that's right, what he's think. like gaslighting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's mad about that and he says Sammy has yet to apologize and that's you know that really rubs him the wrong way and then Jericho steps in and he's just angry dad he's like shut up Max shut up um, he saw the way MJF pushed Sammy week after week so he knows that at least part of it this Sammy leaving thing is MJF's fault but ultimately the biggest issue is that Sammy made a super poor decision and decided to leave instead of kind of facing these issues and so apparently Sammy's dead to Jericho and he never wants to hear his name spoken in his presence ever again. Ever. <laughs> I heard the the impact thing was Jericho's idea. So I'm guessing if that's the case, he's probably not happy about how it went down. Does, does Jericho have like a strong relationship with impact though? Yeah. Don Callis is his like buddy. I'm sure they'll still be friends. I mean, Don Callis is running around over here at AEW. For- yeah. Yeah. I didn't so. pay too much attention to this uh, uh, segment because all I could see was stupid fucking Jack Swagger, or I don't know what his <laughs> name in AEW is, nor do I care. All I could do is see him standing in the background, dressed like Kerwin White, and then he walked out like shaking and just said, Champions! <laughs> and I was so appalled. <laughs> God damn it. Oh. <laughs> And just uh, seeing Jericho tell MJF to shut up, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. This is our inner circle now, guys. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> uh, but that's, we'll get to that later. Uh, for now, we've got Serena Deeb versus Riho as part of the first round of the Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. 
Um, Serena Deeb, if you'll remember, is the NWA Women's Champion. She comes out and she has a knee brace on because apparently she had tweaked her knee. And I don't know if that's kayfabe or shoot, but they really played it up during this match as like an issue. And ultimately, I think it led to the fact that Riho got the win um, because Serena had some knee problems throughout this match. But I thought it was a really good match. And Serena Deeb is awesome. And it was so nice to see Riho back. I thought it ruled. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you picked it up from commentary, Dave, but this was uh, the first time Rio's been back since the pandemic. Yes. And uh, yeah. yeah, she was sorely missed. Uh, AEW's women's division um, ran into a bit of a fallow period in 2020 just because of, you know, so much of the talent they were using was from Japan and from right. other other parts of the world. Yeah. Um, and then they just suddenly didn't have access to any of them. So they had to, like, kind of start developing their own talent. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it's gotten to a point where it's like built up fairly well again, but then Riho comes back and it's like, oh, right. Like, <laughs> like, like Riho's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> and you put her in with Serena Deeb, who is also awesome. And yeah. it's just, you can tell when they have two veterans in the ring versus like one and somebody who's new and green in AEW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was super happy with this match. I I didn't know if it would be I, so like the thing with Riho matches in her first run was that usually it was like a thing where she was undersized and like like fighting against like an Isla Rose or something like that. Um, but in this one, it was someone who was like you know bigger than her, but more her size. So they were able to have like more of a uh, like a technical wrestling match than a like yeah, it was, like, it was like like a giant a, versus like a David versus Goliath thing. Yeah, yeah. It, but that, that that was one thing that kind of bothered me was that in the commentary, they kept making a point to say, oh, Riho is only 98 pounds, but Serena Deeb's probably, what, 105? Like, she's, neither yeah, one of them I mean, are big girls, but they, they, they kept playing up that, you know, Riho is only 98 pounds. I, they, they kept saying that, but I was like, it's not like she's going against a Nyla Rose or somebody. Yeah. You know, it's more of an evenly matched, uh, an evenly matched, uh, evenly matched match, but yeah. Uh, no, Jim Ross. Yeah, so does I, seem I, to be like... I thought I thought they went a little too too much overboard on on commentary with that. Yeah, I think Jim Ross gets hung up, especially Jim Ross gets hung up on things like that. Yeah, women women's weight. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah, it was it was a great match. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Serena Deeb, like I believe Rios, like ninety five pounds soaking wet. She's very small uh, mm-hmm. and short. Serena Deeb is tall, but she's carrying a lot of muscle on her. So I wouldn't be surprised if she was like 125, 130. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. also like weight's a number. And uh, aesthetically speaking, Serena Deeb looks like a badass athlete. Like athlete. athlete. Um, she obviously does yoga. She does all the weight training and stuff. She looks awesome. Yeah. I yeah. believe she could toss Riho around a lot. But also Riho is super quick and mobile so she was doing a lot of like tactical stuff i mm-hmm. just thought these two worked super well together and i i don't know so it was some of the best stuff they did was during the commercial breaks on the picture in picture which i didn't like <laughs> yeah what do you like the stuff with where the the, the see the, the picture in picture stuff i remember was that they kind of like took it easy for a while because they did the spot where the rep, the doctor came and checked on uh, Serena's knee. They did that, but there was another one where um, Serena had Riho strung up on her back and had her, had her, uh, uh, had her 
on her back and had her like stretched out. And then she started going for a really neat pinning sequence from that. Mm. Yeah. I am trying to remember. I like, unfortunately I kind of tune out during um, picture in picture just because it like, I get distracted by the commercials. Yeah. Cause <laughs> because you assume it's kind of the, yeah, you just you get distracted by the commercials and you think it's more of a time for like rest holds and stuff like that, which um, I get pro- probably for them. It probably was, but it just, yeah. it looked like a cool little sequence. Now watching, watching dynamite in the UK as Megan does, as she lives in the United Kingdom and has, has since we started this podcast, of course, um, boy, fish and chips, y'all. Wait, uh, what? <laughs> uh, Megan, you know, famous, Famous Londoner uh, yeah. watches Dynamite on the uh, on the uh, Fight TV service AEW Plus, which only available to the UK. Only available to UK. Like, there's nothing you could do in the United States no. to like trick trick you have your to live internet in the UK. to oh. thinking that you're in another country. You know. Anyway, but good time, Mike. Are you Australian? She gets full <laughs> yes. screen. She gets full screen the whole time. Yeah, I do. And also um, commentary because they know that Fight TV is, you know, displaying it. So I get to sometimes I forget what's picture in picture, honestly. Um, but also, just FYI, like uh, maybe last month, Cody on one of the various podcasts, either the AW one or Jericho, basically said that. They want to innovate, and he wants to sometimes have finishes happen during picture-in-picture picture so that you never know and that you you don't want to change the channel. And I just thought, no. <laughs> like, I'll see it, but you guys won't. And, and I just think it's such a bad idea. Sounds <laughs> but, like Vince Russo talk. I yeah, was just about to say, Dave, that sounds like a Russo idea where on its face it's like, yeah, I guess that's interesting, but why would you ever do it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I think he had the, actually, I think specifically the thing I thought of was he had this idea in TNA. He wanted to do, there was this battle royal and he wanted Kevin Nash to get eliminated during a commercial break because he thought like nobody will ever expect it. And Kevin Nash is just like, yeah, because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> and if, if people aren't trained to know that something big is going to happen during commercial or picture in picture, like they probably already clicked away. Like I, I don't know. Like. You yeah. can't really do that. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. Cody said it, and I thought, oh, no. Pl- I hope Tony Khan knows that that's, that's like a bad idea. As someone who sees all the picture-in-picture full screen, even I was like, don't do that. That's dumb. <laughs> um, but, yeah. That's right. Do it once. <laughs> well, See watch out. Happens. You say that now, but, man, they're going to do some something important. A real I wanna, big. Finish. I want to walk to the bathroom during one match and see another match in picture in picture <laughs> when I get back. What the hell is this? Oh, so they finished <laughs> and started within. The yeah, they finished one match and started another in picture in picture. God. come on. That sounds awful, but okay, we'll see. Cody, Cody apparently is pushing for it. I don't know Tony yeah, Khan's stand on it. Good job, but... Cody. Ugh. He's just a common son. <laughs> Okay, well, that was that match. So, <laughs> obviously, Riho is moving forward in the brackets. Um, and I don't... Andy, do you want to take this time to speak about what what is going on with the rest of the women's tournament? Yeah, so there are two matches left in the uh, first round on the American side of the brackets. Uh, Ty Conchi versus Nyla Rose and uh, Anna Jay versus Britt Baker. And they are airing them along with the two semifinal matches on the Japanese side 
on YouTube on uh, Monday at 7 o'clock in the same time slot they aired the first round of the Japanese tournament. And I guess... I guess the... What you would say... Why can't you you put these on Dynamite? (laughs) Yeah, what you would... Like, yeah, like, I understand because the Japanese footage, like, it looks pretty low rent. So don't... You don't... I'm guessing TNT doesn't want that on their show, which is fine. That's fine. I I understand that because I watched it and I was like, oh, you can't put this on TNT. It looks like the Atlanta (laughs) performance... Like, uh, the Atlanta setup, but they just slapped an AEW banner up wherever they are. (laughs) Like, that's literally the only thing they did. They were like, here, we're on AEW. There's a banner on the back wall. (laughs) But, But, like... Britt Baker versus Anna Jay, that's a dynamite match, you know? Yeah, those um, two are prominent figures on the dynamite weekly television show. Yeah. And so I just I don't know. Like I guess what people would say would be like, well, you know, they're they're running out of time before the pay-per-view. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like you should have planned better. <laughs> you know? Also, like, you're able to book these shows, put more than one women's match on. You can yeah, cut, do that. It's allowed. Cut, <laughs> like, cut two minutes else. out of every match on this show. And just add one and add one more women's match. Like I'm just sorry, Orange Cassidy fight like three times that night. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting to it, but like Orange Cassidy versus Luther, uh, you could have totally cut that, and this show would not have suffered for it. Toss no, in I, a different female. I totally match. agree with you. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I will obviously watch this because I'm interested in the tournament, but I, it's annoying. It's just like, I, I don't know. I, I think this could have been avoided. I think it should have been avoided. I think they should have made the effort to avoid this. Yeah, like, I agree. It's very annoying to me. Yeah. So I guess we'll recap that next week. But if you want to <laughs> actually watch it, you'll have to go to YouTube. Yeah. Enjoy. Um, okay. So after that match, the women's match, we get a video package of no, Jade. No, hold on. Hold on. I want to I set the stage for this. Okay. Because we were told... That we were going to see training footage yeah. of Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill as they prepare for their match with Cody and Red Velvet. Okay, yes, I did take issue with this setup and then what we got. Because what we got... <laughs> I did not see any of that. Okay, <laughs> what, what we got was essentially Shaquille O'Neal apparently coaching Jade on how to play basketball, which I'm like, wrong sport? You know, like, I feel like... if. If we if we get to that dynamite match in two weeks when they're going up against each other and it actually turns out to be a game of horse, then like I think Cody and Red Velvet are in big trouble. Otherwise, sure. I don't know. I don't know. Shaq's not a very good shot from outside like <laughs> dunking range. That's true. In in what we like a video where we should have seen at a minimum Jade being like, This is the wrestling ring, Shaq. This is how you do wrestle moves. Instead, we got Shaq not training in any way. But coaching Jade on basketball. Yes. What, what is your strategy? You're definitely going to lose. Like, what, was, what is this? It was so weird that they aired this. It was like, I guess this is what Shaq, you know, this is what they were able to get out of Shaq. And it's, you know, I understand Shaq's a big star, so use what you got. But it was not very, it did not excite me to see the match. No, it was a well-produced video, and I think Jade probably learned basketball very well. Good for her, and good for you, coaching Shaq. But um, this is not the show that you want to teach Jade basketball for. I want to see 150-pound, like, nameless jobbers running at Shaq <laughs> in the ring so he can, like, pick them up and choke slam them and power bomb them and, like, like press slam them. Like yeah. that Lance Archer video? <laughs> Back yeah, was, like, in yes. the woods. Just redo that. <laughs> Where's uh, where's what's his head the Thrill Hill so he can get tossed around by Shaq? 
Oh yeah. Well, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> I hope he's still alive. <laughs> so, he may have died that night. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I guess the point is, um, unless they're playing basketball, I'm curious as to whether or not Shaq's going to be actually prepared for this match because, based on this video, no. Shaq is always prepared. Uh, okay, I hope so. Except the free throw line. <laughs> he well, he did. He sunk a couple. He did sink a free throw. Well, that, 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 I wonder how many, how many takes that, that took. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, he plays basketball. You think he's that bad at? The- Free throws? Yeah, he's really bad at free throws. I I don't watch basketball. I just know he's in it. (laughs) He was like what? Like he was. I'm gonna look up. Megan, you move on to the next segment. I'm gonna look up Shaq's career free throw through shooting (laughs) percentage. I I can't wait. It's got to be under under 55 percent. All right. Well, I was thinking more like 48 or 49, but we'll see. Yeah. Feel free to interrupt because the next uh, matchup is, as I said, Orange Cassidy versus Luther. Something that was completely forgettable and not really needed on this here show. Um, Orange, It was a squash match, essentially. Orange Cassidy beat him with the orange punch. And I, at best, the through line on this is that Chuck is still kind of a butler, but he's but buttling to orange cassidy because at the end of the match he helped him pl- like put his jean jacket back on he held it while orange cassidy put his arms through maybe I he never discovered thought I could be so indifferent to an orange cassidy and chuck Taylor, uh, <laughs> i know right <laughs> right luther luther works wonders <laughs> <laughs> Good um yeah maybe maybe uh chuck just found that he enjoyed the the buttling work and is just going to continue it on a volunteer basis uh Shaq, uh, fifty-two point seven percent career free throw shooter. Okay, so a little better That's than I bad. thought, but but right about where you uh, suspected. Now, as someone who doesn't watch basketball, is Shaq? Does he play a position where he's supposed to be good at free throws? Or uh, no, I mean the centers are large. Well, at least that time period centers they were, you know. Mostly like big lugs that stood down in the middle and dunked a lot. Okay, so and didn't didn't shoot the ball much outside of like five feet from the basket. Okay, so the fact that in his... today's NBA, like the big guys shoot three pointers. So, all right, so his percentage it's a though... shooting man's game now. So, so he of during his time, it's okay that he had that low of a percentage. Basically, I mean that was oh. that was like his. That was his one big like bugaboo to his career. Is he was oh. terrible at shooting free throws. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean Jay Leno made fun of it on the Tonight Show. Jay said, Leno makes fun of everyone. Well, yeah, it was it was a pretty funny joke though. Uh, said there was a <laughs> he just said there was a unidentified flying object going over Los Angeles this year or last night. He was like, oh wait, it was just a Shaquille O'Neal free throw. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, for comparison, like uh, like just a random year during Shaq's kind of his peak. Uh, like, let's look at the 1996-1997 season. Uh, Mark Price of the Golden State Warriors led the NBA in free throw shoot per, three for free throw percentage, uh, shooting ninety one percent. Okay. <laughs> I don't watch basketball. I was curious, but that okay. So. Uh, that only makes me think he should have definitely been training re- in wrestling more than showing <laughs> Jade Cargill how to shoot a basket. Like I don't, I don't understand this video. Okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's what they have in common. Like she was like a she was a good college basketball player. So so she doesn't really oh, need him to teach her. Yeah, yeah. So why does okay. she need tips then? Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'd take tips from Shaq on basketball, even if I was really good at it. Free throws, because apparently he's bad at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this whole th- this Luther thing was weird because, um, like, I guess it was just a way to get Orange on the show because we didn't get any Miro or Kip follow up at all. Nope, no interference, no showing up on the sidelines. It's although every time somebody didn't, so somebody wasn't there, and this plays into the next segment. I did think like, oh, I wonder if their like their flight got like rerouted or something because of weather. Yeah, it's going to play into an. Um... Not just the next segment, but at least one other beyond that. But yeah, you're right. So uh, segueing into that, let's say the next segment is a quick recap of Darby and Team Taz from last week. Um, If you'll remember, Darby maintained his TNT championship, but then Team Taz was like, we're taking you to FTW world. And that means in a body bag behind our car. (laughs) (laughs) So they zipped up Darby and they took him away. All, and, I, all I could think about when I saw that was the the big boss man in the big show. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. hilarious because uh, this person was alive and getting drugged behind them. Yeah. Similar energy for sure. Uh, but like at the time, Sting left the building, I guess, to find Darby. I Spoiler, Darby doesn't show back up for this next segment. And I no. don't know if that means he's dead or what. But um <laughs> Taz. That's, that's the logical assumption. <laughs> that's all I can assume. Um, Taz, Brian Cage, and Taz's son Hook uh, all come out. Hell yeah, Hook. Hook. The Hook brings you back. Taz's actual son. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Uh, trained. His with name Cody is Rose. his name is Hook Tazson. <laughs> stupid name. <laughs> I thought I thought Hook would have been the guy with the Hook sideburns. Oh, Brian Cage. No, yeah. No, he's he's Wolverine or whatever the hell. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, but the three of them come out, and Taz specifically calls out that like there's only three members of Team Taz there because of the current weather conditions. I don't know where Ricky Starks and Will Hobbs live, but I, I guess not here. Starks is a Texan. Um, oh so, wow, so he's really yeah. suffering. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but they, but then they advertised him for a match for next week's Dynamite, which is taping tonight. So I assume that he must have been able to get, like, to assure them that he would be able to get to the building, like, you know, today sometime. If he rented a car, he definitely could. I guess that's true. He could have just driven overnight or whatever, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. Texas is going through it right now. So I don't yeah. really understand how air travel and car rentals are working over there, but it's not a good scene. Um. So, yeah, there's only three of them, one of them being Hook, so maybe, like, two and a half is what I would say. Hey, this, uh, like, Hook was the turning point in the segment. He still looks 12 to me. I, I really don't understand Hook. I need to see him do a match to maybe respect him. Hook rules. But... I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Has he not fought yet? No. He what he not. does is, you know how they have that AEW Dark show on Tuesdays where they do, yeah. like, other matches? Um He'll just, he'll, he's always out there for when a member of Team Taz has a match, and there's always a spot where the referee is distracted, and Hook just, like, comes up to the guy on the outside and gives him a suplex. Oh, sweet. <laughs> like, gives him a different, like, Taz-style suplex. Awesome. 
Yeah. But he looks I'm like a 12 year old. He looks 12 with his hoodie. I'm sorry. He just. Yeah. But I, okay, so yeah, Hook is a turning point here. So Team Taz, down to three members, they still call out Sting. And Taz is like, all I've been seeing on social media this week is how Sting is going to come after Team Taz. And I'm like, Taz, you're on social media? Okay. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Sting takes this as a call out. So he shows up, bat in hand. And Taz is like, it's good you have your bat because I know you need it because you obviously can't beat us without it. So Sting's like, whatever, bitch. And he tosses down the, the bat and then he starts to take off his coat and he goes after, of all the people out there, Brian Cage. Like, I'm sorry, Sting. If you look at the lineup of people you're up against, <laughs> don't pick the biggest one. But he goes the after man Brian your Cage. age and the man that looks like he's 12. Yeah. Big muscly guy. Yeah, like you've made a weird choice. Um, but he does. He goes after Brian Cage. Brian Cage power bombs him for his trouble. And uh Hook what does Hook do specific I think like Sting tries to get the bat or something and then Hook's like, I've got it and goes after him. Hook like Hook like tried to choke Sting from behind. Yeah, okay. But Sting kicked him away or something. Cause I remember Hook being walking away from this segment being like, ow, my you know, the back of my head, the general place every wrestler grabs when he's hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Cage powerbomb Sting. Sting does not get up. We get a lot of like weird artsy st- shots from like the top camera of Sting just laying there kind of looking sad. <laughs> yeah, when I saw that, I saw, I, I, all I could think of is Sting has a look like, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I doing this? I'm, yeah. I think I'm 85 years old. Can't just... What am I doing here? I didn't wrong turn did I take in life to get here? I didn't think this made Sting look particularly good. And they lingered (laughs) in a way that was like, why are you... This is Sting, your icon. Why are you making him look like a chump? So I think the purpose of this was to show you that Sting is still able to take a bump so that people will you know, people will adjust their expectations of the match at the pay-per-view because I think I think a lot of people, including me, have just been thinking like, okay, this is going to be like a weird like pre-taped cinematic thing where they're going to use like camera tricks and stuff so t- to make sure that Sting doesn't get hurt. But, you know, now Sting has taken a pretty, you know, pretty hard power bump. Yeah. Um, it's the first Brian bump Cage. he's taken in like five or six years ever since the Seth Rollins match that ended his career. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I liked it. I was like, I thought, okay, yeah, Sting can still Sting can still do something. So I was glad he wasn't dead at the end of it. But <laughs> oh, were I, you? I well, yeah, because I like I've got partner? I've got no problem with Sting. Like it's fine. Um, but I did think he just he had this like wistful, far away look in his eyes as they hovered over him with the camera. I I don't know. It was like a weird. I'm done, Gus. It was a weird tone to take with him right before a big match. You know, like, it is good to see you could take a bump. Yes. And that's fine, but it didn't really leave him looking great, you know? No, but you had sympathy for him, right? I did, because he's an old man. Is that the kind of sympathy you want? Yeah. (laughs) Do you... Scott Steiner once said, I got no simpy for him. (laughs) I've got all the simpy for him. (laughs) Um, do you think 
that this means they're not going to do a cinematic match because I also kind of want a cinematic match just because I think they're fun. I don't know. Um, I don't really know what to expect. I think I do think we're going to see Sting be a little more physical than I had initially expected him to do to be, uh, regardless of what kind of match it is, though. Okay. All right. Well, Sting, good luck to you. I hope you didn't break your back on that one. Yeah. Let's go to Eddie Kingston with his uh. family. <laughs> his boys, uh, Butchered the Blade and the Bunny. Eddie is standing there with these people, and he he said he's requested the main event match, which is uh, him, the Butcher and the Blade, versus John Moxley, Phoenix, and uh, Lance Archer. So he's requested this match specifically because he has demons to deal with, and those demons are spe- like Lance Archer. Because since the Casino Battle Royal, they've had beef. Eddie was never eliminated. I don't know if you remember. Um, Phoenix, he says he's always hated him and preferred his brother, Penta. Which I was like, damn, dude, calm down. <laughs> like, package deal. Uh, and then, obviously, John Moxley, uh, his former friend, which I think Moxley thinks they're current friends, but he needs to get rid of him the most. And he can't do it, apparently, with drinking pills and or women. So he has to beat him. Jenny Jenny looked at me and said, women? And I was like, yeah. Sex. And, well, yeah. <laughs> but she was like, huh. And I was just like, what? Did I she think she think... thought Eddie Kingston was gay, which I don't like. I don't I don't know how she would come to that conclusion. <laughs> oh. It's the eyebrows. Oh, they are very, they are very like uh, manicured. Yeah. If If I know Jenny, she saw those eyebrows and she was like, that guy takes care of himself. He must be gay. Possible, yeah. All I can think of when I look at uh, Eddie Kingston is he looks like a Briscoe brother and Vince Russo maybe had a, a child. Vince Russo would be into that angle. <laughs> I can see that. I, uh, You know, uh, the three of us here on this uh, podcast, uh, Dave, Megan, and myself, are the original founders of the Eddie Kingston anti-fan club. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, I gotta say, Dave, I I went over to the other I went over to the other side in the last year. Wow! Yeah, he won he won me over with his uh, his work in AEW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I mean it is what it is. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, Dave. If you could like ban Kingston from wrestling but it meant you had to ban all Kingstons from wrestling, including Kofi. Would that be, would that be a worthy sacrifice to you? Oh, think of his Royal Rumble spots. No, I don't care enough about Eddie Kingston to, <laughs> okay. to ban him. I, I just turn the channel when he's on. Your hatred doesn't burn as hot as it did in 2012. Okay. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> I, I mellowed in my old age. <laughs> God, that's probably for the best. <laughs> all right okay. talk about my favorite segment on the show oh you mean i don't even know what to call this um alex marvez finds kenny omega and i wrote down doing charity work i don't i don't super know what he was doing he was in he front was, of a bunch of kids yeah he was he was like he was enriching the lives of a preschool class <laughs> i was gonna say is this a formal 
like school or was this AEW childcare? <laughs> like, where <laughs> is he? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was just AEW daycare. I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, they clocked the kids at nine years old because I was not sure. I don't know how to tell how old little people are. Um, but at some point near the end, Don Callis says, ask a kid how old he is and they're nine. So whatever grade or preschool or kindergarten or whatever section of life they're in, Kenny's in front of a bunch of these kids. And he uh, is with Don Callis and Michael Nakazawa. I don't know why Nakazawa's there. Um, but Kenny's like, hey, kids, do you want me to read you a story? And he pulls out the Young Bucks killing the business. Uh, a fine book that I read uh, earlier this year. Yeah, something very child appropriate. Um, one kid immediately says, are there any pictures which is a fair question because he's a nine-year-old. And Kenny's like, yeah. He like looks in the middle. He's like, yeah, there are pictures in the middle of the book. He doesn't show them to the kids. He's just like, yes, I he answered your question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See that? that? That annoyed me as a person who has read that book because there is a great picture section at the end of that book. Yeah. I thought they had. Well, Kenny Omega quite... clearly hasn't read it then. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they had quite a collection of, um, you know, nostalgia pictures. They do. So, okay. Uh, and then to, like, kind of build off that joke where they're looking at each other's dicks, um, one of the kids is like, are they in love with each other? <laughs> and Kenny, Kenny goes, looks like it. They are, they are brothers, so I'm sure they love each other. And the kid's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and kid, then, wasn't, kid wasn't being judgmental about it. No, he was asking yeah. a question. Yeah. Uh, and Kenny answered it in the best way Kenny could. Um, but then he goes on to say, all right, guys, here's the story. One time, Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega wrestled at the Tokyo Dome, and it made the most money ever in New Japan history. And Kenny's like, I did that. That was me. And the kids are like, the kids are like, we're kids. We don't care. Uh, Who are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, okay. And then after this very, very short story, Kenny's like, well, it's time to go, kids, so I'll see you later. And he gets up, and the kids start to chant his name as he leaves. And then one kid walks over and tugs on Don Callis' sleeve like Tiny Tim and says, can Kenny stay and play? And Don Callis is like, no, but here's Michael Nakazawa. And he, like, pushes Nakazawa into the kids and is like, Enjoy. He'll play with you. And they're like, Nakazawa sucks. We hate him. <laughs> and then they just start like throwing Legos at him. <laughs> yeah, they kill him. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to this because you did an excellent job recapping it, but I loved every single second of it. <laughs> I thought it was stoop. <laughs> All right. They could have cut that and added a women's match, right? <laughs> I mean, I would have cut the Orange Cassidy match. I liked this. This was funny. But, uh... was, I was not entertained whatsoever by it. Mm. <laughs> now, Dave... I will say we've had, like, us who watch the AEW regularly have had a couple weeks build up of weird Kenny Don Callis skits um, uh-huh. on a golf course in Kenny's house. Like, this kind of, to me, fit into those. And if you're just coming into it fresh, I can see how it would be um, out of nowhere and a little weird. Yeah. So, I respect that. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. <laughs> okay. Dave's so, one of those weirdos who likes to see wrestling matches on wrestling shows. Yeah. yeah. Gross. Watch a Raw. Get used to the world as it is today. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of wrestling, 
Next up, we've got the big match. Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, the Young Bucks wanted this match. They wanted it before a revolution. And <laughs> they could potentially lose the titles and have a all-inner circle revolution match for the titles, but luckily that doesn't happen. The Young Bucks win. Nick rolls up Ortiz after Ortiz spent some time shouting the best repeatedly. And that's how this is. It is. It's true. It, it's it's fair. But there was a moment in this match where I thought the Young Bucks are just crazy enough to actually lose and let this be like a weird title match at Revolution. Oh, they should have. But they didn't. I kind of thought they might. but uh, I love so, Santana and Ortiz so much. I mean, I mostly Ortiz, but... Did Ortiz do Tiger style? I don't think he did, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. They, they had some cool moves. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one where they they're both standing up, had him sprawled out over their shoulder, and he dropped him into a backbreaker. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah, love it. Santana Ortiz rule. I, I, they are under pushed. I would say I can't believe that they like. It's so weird that this was the first title shot they've gotten in yeah. like eighteen months. Because I was thinking about it, it's like. Like LA, like uh, SCU were the champions, and I you you would have thought maybe at some point with them, Kenny and Hangman were champions. You would have thought at some point with them, you know, like just yeah, I don't know. I I, I was surprised. Yeah, I yeah. I like them so much. Like or- Ortiz has great charisma, and he's he's fun. Uh, I I like those guys. Yeah, they rule. Yeah, I thought this match was awesome. It was. It was yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I also for some reason during this match flashback to like podcast episodes where they talked about how they were both like security guards at one point like very recently like that yeah. was the last job they had before they quit and i'm like look at how good you are yeah. i that was just a quick turnaround of i quit my real job and became a professional wrestler and it could have gone really bad but they're both awesome like you guys said so yeah. uh okay so during this match it should be said that Kenny, Don Callis, and the Good Brothers are backstage, and they're watching what's happening at this impossible angle where basically them and the TV are they're parallel, but they're sort of all craning their necks to one side to it's do the, this. It's like the WWE watching TV angle. Oh yeah, totally. It, it's a total burn. Um, but it's also like the like so stupid. Nobody watches TV like this. So they're back there watching this. Um, at one point, the inner circle is out here, too, and they get ejected because MJF sets up to punch Nick Jackson in the face, but Rick Knox notices. So he spends a lot of time trying to decide whether or not just MJF or the inner circle in, in its entirety needs to leave. And in that time, like Nick is getting beat up. But just know that the inner circle gets ejected, so they're gone. And Don Callis, Kenny, and the Good Brothers are backstage. Sets it up. So after the match, the inner circle runs back out they attack the bucks and then we see backstage where kenny's like I, I i think you should go out there i think we probably need to help them right guys like we're you know bullet, bullet club too sweet and don cows is like no kenny no and kenny's like but i i do think i should go out there and don cows is like no you shouldn't i don't think you should and so we cut back to the match at, or after the match in the in the ring and Brandon Cutler in this time has run out. He quickly gets slammed by Jake Hager. Does not do much to help anybody. Um, and then the Bucks get caught up 
by Jericho and MJF in the Lion Tamer and the Salt of the Earth, respectively. And they start tapping out, even though this is not an official match. You can't tap out. It's just chaos. And so, oh, so you know, it's to it's to show that it's possible at the pay per view. Well, yeah, of course. It, it you know, because obviously they're all having that match and whatever. Jericho and MJF have to get their thing in, but they're sitting there tapping out, and nobody is coming to help. And then finally, the Good Brothers make their way out, and they chase the Inner Circle away, and. Um, I didn't mention it before, but at the beginning of the match, we saw that Ma and Pa Buck are in the crowd. So Jericho, as he's been chased away, he goes over to to Papa Buck and he gets in his face and Papa Buck shoves him back and Jericho laughs at him. But, you know, Jericho's psyched to feud with somebody who's older than him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lord. So that um, this is all fueling the pay-per-view match. We're like. Everybody's mad at everybody, and the Good Brothers, I guess, helped, but at the same time, like, probably could have gotten there earlier. Yeah, yeah. So. It was chaos. Yeah. It was chaos. But the Bucks remain champs, so they're going to get that revolution match. I do think Santana and Ortiz should get more time, because as you both pointed out, they're great, and I, I am really surprised that this was the first time they got a shot at a championship title. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, the young bucks have a shitty doomsday device. I just wanted to throw that in. Wow. All right. I mean, you're allowed to think that. It's fact. Okay. No thoughts needed. Just fact. No notes. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, next up, we have a very quick gender reveal party event. I don't think it's a party. It's an event. Um, we get a video. Of Brandy saying that she misses everybody in the audience, so she wants to do something fun. So she's going to be there live to do a gender reveal. Uh, she does explain that Cody does not know the gender of the baby because he's got a big mouth and she doesn't trust him with it. <laughs> so... I enjoyed that. So, so this was news to him? Yes. This is okay. him finding out the sex of his baby if we are to believe that that is true, which honestly, I I, I feel like I kind of believe. So uh, they walk out together. Uh, at this here live show and they're standing there on stage and then pyro goes off it's pink so on the big screen we see it's a girl and so cody has just found out that he's having a a baby girl oh 13 years later uh she'll be embarrassed to be around her dad because of his shitty net tat <laughs> yeah Probably. cover that or, thing up dad where's your turtleneck or she'll have a neck tat of her own we don't that know could be you never know We'll Kids see. are dumb. We'll see. He'll have to. He has to sign a waiver until she's eighteen, I believe. So. <laughs> I know that you know Cody. I think there's a tendency to that sometimes AEW kind of feels like a Cody Rhodes vanity promotion. Um, <laughs> and like it's moments like this that kind of reinforce that. But yeah. um, for whatever reason, I was kind of charmed by the segments. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Yeah, I mean, they seem really excited and happy. So good for yeah. them. I mean, honestly, I don't see it as a vanity project so much because I think Cody could have put himself over way more than he did. And there's been such a weird balance. So I don't know. Like, this was fine. To me, it was like, okay, this was Cody's intro because he's going to be on commentary for the next segment as well. So they tied it in. I mean, they had a reason to have him out there. He wasn't just out there and then they both just left. Cody went to the commentary table. He was. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone make a really good joke about um, how 
Moxley has to Moxley and Renee have to one up uh, Cody and Brandy <laughs> and uh, the smoke from the exploding barbed wire death match should be uh, should be pink or blue to indicate the sex of their child. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, are they, are they having a child? They are. They are having a child too. Yeah. Oh, okay. They have not That's revealed funny. the gender. So there is still time for that. Yeah. That's pretty good. Did you listen to the Valentine's Day special with John Moxley I did on Renee's podcast? That. I did, yeah. It was good. They are perfect for each other. And I'm not going to say I'm not jealous, but man, <laughs> what a couple. Yeah. So cute. Uh, okay. Back to the show, though. So Cody goes on commentary, and he is on commentary for this match, FTR versus Matt and Mike Seidel. Uh, as you, you, didn't, you didn't know there was a Mike Seidel. <laughs> I learned yesterday, or not yesterday, last week. You told yeah. me. Okay. Uh, so is this he, his real brother? Yeah. Oh. And they clearly train together because they just work very similarly. Mike Seidel like, has a yoga gimmick, which is fun, but he didn't really incorporate it too much into, into his he, match he on He carried Dynamite. a yoga mat out on his back. <laughs> That's pretty he, good. He, his... One of his signature spots is he does a moonsault while holding the yoga mat. So, like rolled up? <laughs> yeah, it's the yoga salt. Okay. No, it's like it's splayed out. So it's like a, it's kind of like a magic carpet situation. Oh, that's cool. Oh, so he lands on it and the yoga mat's like on the bird. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was allowed to do that because ultimately they had to lose. Um, FTR wins. Dax pins Mike specifically. Sorry, mm-hmm. Mike. Um, after they do the big rig, but I thought for like enhancement talent, if we're looking at younger brothers and I have to compare him to like Dolph's younger brother, I think Mike's way further along on the, the wrestling journey here. He looked good and the two of them work well together. I think these two should be like a regular team. I mean, I could, I could see their trajectory being like, they like always went on dark and then they, they build up to a match against like a heel team on dynamite and then lose, you know, like just yeah, wash, rinse, repeat. I think that's kind of like, that'd be a good level for them to be like, kind of like a, a popular, but not super pushed babyface tag team. Yeah. Their styles are so similar because I guess obviously they're brothers and Matt on one of the unrestricted podcasts said he wanted to work with his brother. So I say sign him and let those two be a tag team. This is a company full of tag teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually, I like this match a lot. It was a good, I thought it was a good like clash of styles match, but I really liked FTR. I thought they were pretty good. Like they, you know, they're, they're kind of big built guys, but they moved really good and they had like good snap on their moves and everything. Like mm-hmm. I, I just kind of impressed by them. Are they a yeah. team that I'll care about? Like after this one match, probably <laughs> you not, would love, but... you would love them. <laughs> okay. Okay, but yeah, I, like I, I thought it was a really good match. I it was kind of caught me off guard watching these guys. Yeah, I liked I liked them a lot in this. They kind of have this style where they it's it's like it's like it's almost like it tricks you into thinking that they're wrestling an old school style, but they're like they're but they're doing a modern pace while they're doing it. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of best of both worlds for a team like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That yeah that that pretty much hits it on the head, but uh. Yeah, I, I like this match quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Mike poor Mike Seidel slipped on the top rope trying to do something at one point. Yeah. Um, he did. Yeah. So 
<clears throat> so Dave, when his brother, when Matt made his debut with the promotion, <sighs> he uh, he was in a battle royal and he came out as a surprise entrant and he climbed to the top rope to do his big patented shooting star press and he totally slipped and ate shit. <gasps> <It was> so <laughs> bad. It looked it seems, really dangerous. It seems, to be, it seems to be the doom of the Seidel's to, uh... to, uh, to make bad first impressions that but way. Dave, but Dave, this promotion was so brilliant and I love this because they had that happen. Matt Seidel ate it. And luckily lived. And then they did a whole storyline on BTE where Michael Nakazawa came out there with his baby oil prior to the pay-per-view and just slathered it all over the turnbuckle. And that's why <laughs> Matt Seidel slipped. So I wow, feel that's like awesome. I love how they acknowledge it and they're just like, we're going to play with this a little bit. Yeah, yeah no, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like both these teams. Dave, I think FDR would be right up your alley if you keep watching AEW. Okay. But they're great. Um they had an awesome match a couple pay-per-views back against the Young Bucks. Yeah. 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 Uh, and it should be noted that um, usually Tully Blanchard accompanies them, but apparently he was one of those people who couldn't get out of Texas because of the snow, so he wasn't there. Fucking Tully's wrestling in two weeks. Well, I assume in two weeks he'll be able to get out of the snow. No, but I'm just saying, like, that's crazy. I never thought we'd get him in the Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm excited. I love Tully. Oh. Of all the old people that they've brought on to this promotion, Tully still does the uh, the thing like where they... Like Driver. Yeah, off the top yeah. rope. So, like, that's one of their spots. Tully, Tully will still do the the jump off the top rope part of the spike pile driver with the FTR. Oh. It's cool. like it's like crazy. It's like you're gonna you're gonna break all of the bones in your legs. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like an athletic old man. You he know. Is, yeah. He definitely is. So hopefully, when he gets here from Texas. <laughs> for that he'll be fine but yeah. I, I have faith in Tully he seems spry um, I don't know why but Dory Funk was in the crowd Andy can you speak to that I'm sorry you, you froze for a second what did you oh, say uh, Dory Funk was in the crowd oh yeah I don't know just like you know Florida legend so why not have I, him yeah. hang out I honestly had no idea why he was yeah. there. <laughs> okay. he's Terry Funk's brother I don't know <laughs> okay yeah. Okay. Well, uh, uh, that was a very good match. Fun to watch. Um, after the match, Doc Sampson gets in the ring. He wants to check on Mike Seidel because Mike was the one who took the pin and it looks like he might be hurt. And FTR is like, no. And so they grab his medical bag and then they kick Doc Sampson out of the ring and they start to rifle through it and find scissors, big old scissors, which I don't think medical scissors are made for this, but they decide they're going to cut Mike Seidel's hair. It's very long. And so they pull it up in a big clump and they're about to cut it when the lights go out. And we see on the big screen an image of Luchasaurus's mask backlit by a green light. And then within that light, Luchasaurus is is standing there in the background. And he's clearly got a new mask because there are horns. Right? Because FTR had cut the horns off. So then the lights come back on and Jurassic Express is in the ring. And they start attacking FTR. And they ultimately come out of this standing tall. Um, Marco's there. Marco is directing moves as, as Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus are doing them. So, I don't know. I think it was, I, think it was it might, I don't know if it was Ross, but he said, oh, they've got a numbers advantage. I was like, it's really a numbers advantage when Marco's stunt <laughs> is one of the people. Come on. Yeah, Marco wasn't really doing much. He was, except for being like, Luchasaurus, lift that man. <laughs> crowd saying uh crowd saying Tarzan boy. Yeah. 
Dave, do you do you remember the do you know the song Tarzan Boy? I don't know. Do you do you do you remember the Listerine commercial from the nineties where the bottle of Listerine is swinging on a jungle vine as a song as like a, as that oh, 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 oh. oh yeah 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 so that's that's like Tony Khan like bought that theme music for Jungle Boy. <laughs> That's awesome. So now, like, so and it's like starting to catch on with the crowd, where they'll just like sing That's it for cool. his whole match. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. What a flex, Tony Khan. Love it. Yeah. Buy that song. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's how that closed out. Junk like uh, Jungle. No, Jurassic Express is coming for them. Luchasaurus has a upgraded mask. His horns are back. It's good to know. Next up, before the main event, we get a brief promo from John Moxley. Um, he talks about how Eddie Kingston has problems with everyone, and it's surprising because Moxley is probably the only one around here that actually cares about him. They are still friends. Moxley still considers him a friend. And he talks briefly about how on the 26th of February, Kenta is going to be coming for him for that IWGP title, but Kenta's going to get his ass kicked. Moxley's going to win. Dave disagrees because he's a big Kenta stan. Um, but yeah, so after he's he's one of my many BFFs, (laughs) you did get your picture with him. Um, but yeah, after Kenta comes for that title and, and loses, uh, Moxley is going to set his attention back to Kenny and that AEW world championship because he wants it back. He misses it. He wants it back. He wants it back. (laughs) Yep. I really like the, um, oops, sorry. Uh, ring that champagne bell. Um, <clears throat> I really like the uh, the Moxley Kingston dynamic that they've created, where Mox is like still like, no, we're friends, it's cool, and Kingston is so mad at him, and really, really seems to believe that he can beat John Moxley, and I just he can't though. So, <laughs> but but. And I think that's why like Mox is like still friendly with him because it's like he's not really a threat to me. <laughs> No, it's like when you see one of your friends going through like a crisis and you know that no matter what they say to you, no matter how hurtful it might be that they don't mean it and you just need to ride it out and let them work through their problems. But like you're still going to be friends with them. I think that's where Mox is at. And and Eddie Kingston has said, you have to beat me up to do this. And Mox is like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, friend. So pretty good. Yeah. So that leads us to the main event where um, we've got Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade, his family, going up against Lance Archer, Ray Phoenix, and John Moxley. And uh, I don't like as if to fulfill that that thing I said before, Moxley gets the pin on Eddie after doing the paradigm shift. And right after he pins him, he stands up and he he kind of stands over him and like puts his finger up like, whoa, bud. Are we like, did you get the message? I beat you. Are we cool? Like, can we just be friends and move on from this? Um, but yeah, that's the end of the match. Uh, I think a lot of stuff happened in the middle of the match and it's a lot of good people in this. Hey, can we get like, um, can Ray Phoenix, I don't know, have like a world title run in the next couple of years, I please? <laughs> with you. There was a moment in this match where I'm like, you know, I love what's going on, but not enough Ray Phoenix. And then he got that hot tag, and I was like, yeah, Ray Phoenix. <laughs> he is. Going into this match, I did not give a shit about one person in this match. 
outside of the bunny. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> <With not in> <laughs> and then I saw Ray Phoenix do a couple things. I was like, all right, I like this guy. Uh, but I could care less about the other five. Wow. All right. How dare ever, you. Since, ever since Moxley left WWE, don't care about him. I don't know well, what it is. It's I just so- have... It's so I just funny. Do not say, care about the guy. It's anymore. so funny you say that because the like pretty much the rest of the wrestling world is feels the opposite. I'm yeah, so I'm sure, angry. But <laughs> I'm I can, so angry. I, I do not care about John Moxley one tick right now. <laughs> oh. Well, I care about him enough for both. Oh, of I know us. you do. I know you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Your love is true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> but man, Ray Phoenix is awesome. Too, and I'm sorry, Lance Archer, because I do like Lance Archer, but I think on the good guy side, he was maybe underutilized compared to the other two. What he, was his was... nickname? The murderous murder hawk or something like murder that. Hawk. The murder hawk monster. Murder hawk. That was pretty good. That made me laugh when I heard that. <sighs> I thought the I liked, matches were good. I liked it. I liked that um, at the beginning when. Lance, Ray, and John Moxley were all announced separately. That, like, Lance and Ray Phoenix waited, um, where you know, the outside entrance where Moxley normally enters, and they waited for him. And then they all kind of walked in as a team. I thought that unity was cute. Uh, it was cute. <laughs> so that made me happy. Ray Phoenix is wearing a weird mask, like a weird, like, pre mask mask, yeah, it's yeah. like a samurai sort of deal. Dave, I don't know how you didn't fall in love with the butcher when he did the Mike Knox flying bear. I did see that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is always hilarious. I do like when people do that. Apparently the Blade uh, spent time in Ohio and he and Mox have worked together before, which surprised me. I'll believe that. I, I guess. Ohio is kind of a weird wrestle state, but okay. Yeah. Um, Jake the Snake was there also. And he wore a shirt that was arguably you could consider dirty and gross, and it was that uh, snakes eat bunnies. <laughs> I liked it. Good job, Jake. Dirty old man. <laughs> so yeah, uh, if you guys don't have anything else about the actual match itself, uh, we can move on to the aftermath of it, which was that the Good Brothers come out and attack John Moxley and then they hold him up so that Kenny who is wearing his stupid ass red patent leather boots with like metal tips uh, they're like just a pirate shirt maybe yeah yeah it's Some the skinny whole, jeans the whole outfit is like it screams douche so <laughs> Kenny walks out and he's like Got Don Callis with him. Don Callis is holding out the contract, and Kenny's like, "Hey, Moxley, I noticed that you've got a rematch clause written in here, and like, of course you do." And I'm so annoyed by it, but I'm going to allow it. So, how about for our rematch at Revolution, we do an exploding barbed wire <laughs> death match? I don't. That's quite a mouthful. I don't know what that means, what the conditions of that are, but basically Kenny's proposing this and he's getting too close and Moxley, like a caged animal, is lashing out. He headbutts Kenny. Kenny has sunglasses on and I don't think this was planned, but the sunglasses basically cut him so he's bleeding and then Kenny's like, get him up, get him up and the good brothers hold him up so Kenny can trigger him twice and then Don Callis, the good brothers, and Kenny all stand over him at the end holding their hands up and Kenny's bleeding, but... uh. What the hell 
is an exploding barbed wire deathmatch? Somebody tell me. We'll find out. Uh, an exploding barbed wire deathmatch is a match where there is barbed wire and uh, there are little explosive charges uh, around the wing, I would guess. Like, yeah. Are you saying barbed wire explode once they, once they <laughs> thrown into it? I mean, that's what, you know, if you say exploding barbed wire, that's what it sounds like, right? Yeah, I want the barbs to explode. You want them to, like, shoot out into the ring? Well, sure, that, yeah, that, that's fine, too. But I want them to, like, once they get thrown onto the barbs, they explode and skin is burned and paralysis. I was going to say, Dave's ultimate goal is always paralysis. Yeah. Okay, here's, here's, so here's a little article from uh, a website called Cultured Vultures uh, that they posted today. Uh, what is an exploding barbed wire deathmatch? Okay. And their explanation is, okay, they say, uh, the exploding barbed wire deathmatch was first conceived in Japan during the 1990s by experimental wrestling promotion Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, or FMW, who upped the ante with their hardcore rules by introducing the deathmatch genre. Which isn't entirely true, but close enough. Um, in this particular stipulation, violence was taken to a whole new level, with the ring ropes being replaced by actual barbed wire. Ew, I don't know. With exploding wires added in between, and C4 explosives planted yes. around the outside of the ring. Yes! What? Is this like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie? But like so, with wrestlers? So I'm guessing that we will not have the C4 charges, but but I, I would I would think that the ring ropes will be barbed wire. Cool. Oh my god. I thought Kenny wasn't into this type of... I thought Kenny wanted to preserve his body, basically. Kenny's into all kinds of shit. He only has to wrestle like twice a month now. He could, he could do some weird stuff. Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It doesn't sound like it's going to be as fun as a piranha death match, but it'll do. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to like try to live up to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds horrifying. I don't, <laughs> this is, this is like, <sighs> this is going to be one of those pay-per-views where I like both people, but I don't want to see this. <laughs> like, it's going to be so bloody, so bloody. Oh. It probably is. Thankfully, uh, Jenny will probably go to sleep before this comes on, since it's going to be a Sunday night pay-per-view, for God knows what reason. What nights are their uh, normal pay-per-views? Saturdays. Oh, okay. Which is well, a great we, night. We know yeah. what reason. They're avoiding the UFC conflict. Oh, that's right. Conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Logan, no. What's his brother? One of the Paul brothers One is One of the Paul brothers is boxing, yeah. Beat up. Oh, jeez. Hopefully. Okay. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I heard Exploding Barbed Wire Deathmatch, and I laughed, and then I thought, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> I can't wait to see yeah. that. I'm pretty, I'm assuming John Moxley's up for pretty, pretty much anything. I didn't think Kenny was into, like, bleeding, but I guess he is, so. Well, now they got his sunglass, sunglasses broken on his face. He's definitely in for it. Yeah. He's, He's like, pissed. pissed. I think that um, you know this will, this might be a nice way to send John into paternity leave for a few weeks. Oh no! So you think I'm, Kenny's going to beat him oh, hard? Yeah, I think, I, think like, Kenny, I don't I don't think it's time for Kenny to to beat him to like a bloody yet. pulp. 
where he has yeah, to leave? I'm sure there will be like interference and stuff because it's like no rules, so you can get away with that kind of thing. Okay. Baby's gonna be scared of her daddy. I was <laughs> I was just kind of thinking like, what a weird, because I, I mean I'm sure Noah fully like, what a weird way to grow up to see your dad doing that, like doing things that basically he should have died from. What are, I don't know how did how did Mick Foley's kids turn out? Uh, yeah, I don't know that. Well, they had like a reality TV show for a, a season, didn't they? Oh, so they're in trouble. Yeah, it was, it was on the <laughs> network though. So does that fully count? I mean, it counts as in like they filmed it and it aired. But uh, is she still dating the clown? What? I don't know if Noel is still dating Frank the clown. Like a literal clown, Dave. I wasn't being pejorative to like it he's person. a man who lives his life as a clown yeah like he dresses like a clown it's like kids birthday parties yeah yeah oh. and he goes to wrestling shows dressed as a clown good for him i i guess he's trying to marry anyway. the bunny anyway we've been going a long time so i just uh i just want to say uh i thought this is a very good episode of dynamite all, all in all uh i greatly enjoyed it um I am excited for next week to see, I think we're getting one of the semifinals in the American side of the bracket, which will be determined by Monday's results. So excited for more of the women's tournament. I'm excited for, um, what was the other thing that was announced for next week, Megan? I don't remember because I don't pay attention to that stuff. Remember, you're supposed oh, to tell it's, me. It's um Team Taz versus the Varsity Blondes. That'll be fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm also just like wondering if we're gonna get more. Um, holy, sh- what was I thinking? Not Orange Cast. Jade Cargill. Like, do we get more Shaq training videos? Oh, probably. You know. Do you think that they're gonna? involve wrestling of any kind no i hope not. i kind of hope not at this point <laughs> okay i hope they, more basketball training <laughs> hope they make you wait until dynamite that the on the third to to see what what they've got up their sleeves but okay anyway well dave thank you for joining us it was uh it was great fun talking to you about AEW. yeah thanks for uh inviting me on loved yeah. it yeah we'll have to have you back uh sometime uh maybe when there's like a Maybe there's a big event with a wrestler that you like or something and not John Moxley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how dare you, one. But also, like, probably there's going to be some FTR stuff we could probably pick your brain on. Okay. I'm in. Whenever you guys need me. Thank you, Dave. Uh, for uh, Dave and for Megan, I'm Andy. Thank you all for listening to The Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.